Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Uh, we're bringing you another Cavs Corner uh, conversation, this time with, uh, with a guest who I'm very glad to have back on the show um, more than a year after I had him on and probably one of the more you know, darker sort of podcast that, that I've done in my, in my lifetime. Um, uh, um, until recently, one of the most listened as well. Uh, I, I think that that show really resonated with people and helped folks get over last year's UMBC loss. So it made sense to, to have you back. Phony Bennett back on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I am so much better than I was this time last year. It's funny because I went back and I listened to that podcast again today that, that we did because I, I don't remember everything that I'd uh, that I'd said or, or even everything that we talked about. But uh, it was nice. I was able to listen to it and you go, you know what? We were mostly right. So uh, I, I felt good about that, Brad. One of the, one of the things that I, I, I do remember uh, of that time frame in my life, uh, and I say that loosely because, I mean, on the website, in media appearances, all that kind of fun stuff, is this this kind of sense of, hey, this was this was really bad, but you know what? It's not going to be like this forever, right? This the, the right. It, it, it was really central to me, and I'm curious because I didn't get a chance to go back and listen to uh, the podcast, but since you did, what were some of the the things that you heard yourself saying that you felt like were spot on and maybe some of the things that you heard yourself saying say, well, that, you know, that didn't necessarily develop, but looking back on it, how, 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 how did you do? How did we do? I, I think overall we did well. There, there were three things that, um, uh, that, that kind of stood out to me. One of the things that, that we both agreed on is, uh, some of the limitations of the blocker mover. And, uh, we, we can talk about that a little bit later, but obviously they've uh, really extended their offensive game and, and, you know, with a, a different offensive style. So, uh, we've got, got that. Uh, one of the things I was probably the most proud about listening to it is I said, I trusted Tony to guide these guys through the, the emotions and, and through, um, you know, as they progressed in, into the next season that I, I trusted him and, and his leadership. And, and I think, uh, probably vindicated there. And then lastly, the Momity, we, we talked, um, you know, a little bit about Momity and, and the opportunities that he would have, um, you know, versus scoring and, and improving his defense. And I think it, it took most of the season to, to see those fruits uh, to, um, uh, appear, but uh, he certainly uh, turned it on at the right time. Yeah, he really did. I think Momity is going to be the in, in a story full of what I would like to call layers, right? So, like, if you think of, you know, the foundation – uh, of a house or, or a building or whatever structure, you know, there are different parts that, that have to make the whole. And, uh, you know, we can focus on the big three. They certainly carried the flag in the national championship game. Um, there's no doubt about that, but Mamadi and his emergence in the postseason was a, was a big plus. I mean, he, he, he said during the celebration in Charlottesville on Saturday, you know, he had to do the dirty job and he did, but there was, you know, there were moments where they needed Jack Salt to be Jack Salt. They needed Kihei Clark to be Kihei Clark. They needed Braxton Key to be Braxton Key. And I, and I what I find one of the things I find fascinating about the run, I don't think you can have so many close games, so many, you know, one possession sort of, you know, outcomes without knowing exactly who you are. And I think, before this team, I thought Virginia did a really nice job as a program of role players understanding who they are and who they're not and sort of fitting together. But I thought this group did a really exceptional job realizing when the role players needed to play their roles, but like to the max. 
And what I mean by that is it's not just the minutes you play, it's how consistent you have to be. And I thought to a man, when they were called on, like I I think of Jack Salt coming in for the Elite Eight game, you know, he hadn't played a lot of minutes, right? But UVA needed him. What did he play, 34 in that that game? He was absolutely essential. You think of Mamdi and Kihei, what they did in that game and what they did in several others. Um, So much attention was going to go to Hunter and to Jerome and Guy, as it well it should. But I thought Virginia's ability to have other guys, one, completely understand who they are, two, understand who they're not, and then three, be able to to be comfortable being themselves and exactly what they needed for this team, I, I thought was the, is the undercurrent that carried the ship to the national championship game. I think it really was, to me, the thing that I will – not necessarily the thing I'll most remember because the thing I'll most remember is how crazy those three last three innings were. Right. Um, but um, it will be the thing I, one of the things I remember most. When you look back on this team – other than you know allowing you to spend an ungodly amount of money on national championship gear, right. what, what's the thing? What are some of the things you're really gonna latch onto? You think in in in, in perpetuity? Like what are these things gonna be that kind of come up in your mind? I, I mean, looking at the season year over year, and just just as a progression of the teams that that Tony's had, one of the things that I. Uh, Sorry, I started getting another call somewhere. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that I would definitely um, uh, say is is the coaching staff, and because you mentioned those those other guys, all those role players, their use of those guys and their willingness to to change up uh, you know personnel, change up lineups throughout the season, and continue tweaking it and and looking at a lot of the uh, you know where guys contribute in a lot of the matchup based uh, decisions. I thought that they got better at that, and, and that the the coaching staff showed showed growth there. You know, we talk about these players developing over four years of college. These coaches are also uh, developing every year that they coach, and and you know, learning to make decisions and learning to use the the tools that they have. And and I thought they did an excellent job at that. I think too, for me, um, you know, it's funny looking back on it now like thinking about a year ago and how we all talked about, you know, well, Virginia needs to figure out a way to open things up. You know, they got to figure out how to play. You know, I don't think a lot of us wanted them to go faster. We wanted them maybe to initiate the offense a little quicker. But we we, we all sort of understood that it, it, that in one of the things with the UMBC loss was that they didn't necessarily have a plan B and that there wasn't a lot of versatility. And, man, did they have versatility this season. The continuity ball screen stuff that they, you know, seems to have kind of been born out of, uh, a meeting between Tony and, and Ty Jerome for lunch not too long after the UMBC loss, and they started sort of brainstorming some things that they could do differently. To see Tony in the national championship game sort of asking his guys, what do you like, what do you think, You know, I thought showed not just an, a, an amazing amount of growth, because when you think of Tony Bennett, you think of a coach who was very much at the wheel, right? You think of a guy who is on top of all the little details. For him to hand over so much of you know so much of, of the of the of the driving of the machine so to speak to his players and then to have you know got, have had such a varied offense you could legitimately say Virginia had one of the more um, you know one of the more um, I don't want to say deadly offenses because that doesn't that's not the right connotation but it was it was tough for to you to prepare for them because you know in a, in an instant they could go from almost all blocker mover to continuity ball screen stuff and then kind of mirror or kind of excuse me mesh them together so that they they almost mirror each other in terms of the way that they look when you start when I look back on it not only did Tony Bennett really answer that call but I thought the kids in 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 response to that really took up you know that call as well and I don't think they win the national championship 
you know, whether we talk about the loss of UMBC or not, but even with it, they can't win it if they're not varied on offense. I thought their offense right. this season, and if that's a sign of things to come, I, I don't know, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about the future in a, in a little bit, but I don't know if that's something that is specific because Tony had so many guys on this team that he trusted, so many guys with so much experience that he knew he could count on. But man, when they when they you think about Virginia's defense mirror, you know, paired with an offense that can be stylistically as um, as willing to to change depending on matchup, I mean, I think that's great for the program and certainly uh, was great this season. When you look at the offense, as you I don't know as you watch them through the tournament, I, I guess I, I, for me, I didn't get the same sense of oh man, they're gonna have problems to score even if they had some droughts. Um, were you as confident with that offense and, and, and what kind of role do you think that that played in the big scheme of things? Yeah. I mean, just so much more versatility at, at creating shots. I mean, I know Dre was the only guy that, that they were calling ISOs for, but even, even then that, that seemed to be a, a rarity, uh, in, in past years. And so the, the willingness to, to branch out offensively. And I mean, there were some games, uh, certainly in the regular season where they had that ball screen offense. I mean, just absolutely rolling and, it seems like a natural extension or 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 a nice um, addition to the blocker mover. And you know, it's funny. We go back to okay, let's go back to was it 2014 and 13, the Tennessee game, and the, the meeting that Joe had with Tony. One of the things that that happened after that that I don't think. Uh, we probably talked about enough is the simplification simplification of the mover blocker offense. Uh, he took away a lot of the options for guys coming off of, of screens and, and simplified it. But what it did is it, it put everybody back on the same page and, and they were very successful this time after the meeting, they expanded their offensive repertoire and, and, um, you know, put in an entire new scheme and, and it's just, uh, it's beautiful. And I think a lot of that is probably the personnel that, that Tony feels like he has to work with. Obviously he felt like these guys could, could take that in the off season and, uh, could be immediately successful with it. So, I mean, that, that's just such a, uh, a big part and and to think i mean there were plenty of times this year where our offense was higher ranked on ken Baum than our defense and there were certainly some games where you could say offense won it um you know certainly in in the national championship game even so it's it's such a unique twist and, a, and an unexpected way of of this team being successful they didn't uh leave what what made them the team that they were. I mean, they, they stuck to themselves, uh, but they just gave themselves a few more options. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the heart, uh, <laughs> the heart testing, uh, nature of those last three games. Uh, first I want to get to our first sponsor today. Uh, the catch corner podcast brought to you today by Thorium wealth. Uh, do you own a small business? Do you have a hard time finding partners to help with problems that you may face every day? Thorium wealth is the business owner's financial partner, data driven, personal service focused solely on the needs of small business owners, which is what makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that businesses' owners face every day. Unleash the power of Thorium Wealth to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information and full disclosures. Our thanks to Thorium Wealth for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. So three games in a row, Virginia comes out, and there are times in that game where you feel good. There are times in that game where you're probably thinking this thing is cooked. Um, I know for me, as I wrote in my column, you know, when, when, uh, Carson Edwards banks in that three in Louisville, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, it's just, it's, it's done. Kyle guy misses the three at the buzzer against Auburn. And initially I looked down to, to start writing the, the final 
the tweet that I do every, you know, for the game with, with the final score. Um, really never got that vibe against Texas Tech, though it didn't necessarily look good when the when you know they put on when momentum put on a, a red jersey there for a little bit. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts, Phony. How how many times? Do you think, and you can, you know, ballpark it here. How many times through that run, and especially those last three games, were you sure that UVA was done? I mean, definitely uh, in in the Purdue game, uh, like what you know, and that was that was that that sinking feeling because it was this, um, you know, Twitter was was up, you know, they they did it again, they collapsed, they this team, you know, gave up a lead, whatever, and, and so you know, I, I was there for that. The the Auburn game, yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually over, um, and, and until I realized they called the foul, but that Texas Tech game, after having those two as, as the last two uh, games I'd watched them play, I was. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I felt confident, but I was not. I, I was not thinking about what my last tweet was going to be. It, it was um, like, okay, let's let's see what they they do. And uh, again, that that surprised me with uh, Ty kicking it out. I mean, what a great decision on the pass, pulling in the defense, and then getting it out to Hunter. I mean, that was just a gutsy play because uh, you know even. Though you, you always get the the announcer saying, oh, you don't have to go for three here, just get a two and get a quick foul. That it just ends up eating the clock as you're you're you know trading baskets. I thought that was a really smart play, and and certainly it worked, which makes it appear a, a lot smarter in the highlights. <laughs> well, you had to know too that Texas Tech was going to collapse. Like they had done that all game. You know they were going to collapse. They were going to collapse, and of course they did. Um, what's funny to me is that you said something just a second ago that really sparked something. Is that you know after the last two games in that third one. You 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 were just waiting to see what they would do. I had no doubt in my chest, like no doubt that they were gonna they they were gonna do it. So when Ty kicks it out to Dre, he he hadn't even got the shot up yet. I was like, oh, that's in there. Like it just it it <laughs> it's almost like the the story sort of was already writing itself by that point. So for them to force overtime to do it on a Braxton key block of Culver in the corner, um, you know, even as many you know reviews and replays and you know some some uncertainty as there was in there. Um, I think the fact that they made like 12 free throws in overtime uh, in a row just sort of it, it astounds me because on the biggest stage in the biggest spots, they were as confident a team as I've ever seen. And we I, I probably did like five different radio hits that day from Minneapolis. And I, I think I said something to the extent of um, Virginia has to figure out a way to put its best game together. Um, because they still haven't done that in this tournament. I think I said some variation of that on every one of them. And maybe as a team it wasn't the best, but man, among the big three it certainly was. And that, that for me, you know, Ty Jerome whipping the ball all around the floor, um, that backdoor cut uh, Kyle Guy had uh, in, the, in the second half. I mean, the, uh, Dre in, you know, not just the, you know, the one offensive board he had uh, to get to the line, but then just a lot of stuff that he did throughout the day or excuse me, throughout the game. I mean, it was it was really just to me a, a, a situation where yeah, Virginia's done a really nice job over the years of really developing players and having them become better as the year went on, right? And maybe being um, or maybe better as their careers went on. But dude, this was just a chance for three really good players who have really developed to show how good they actually are. And I think that's going to be one of the lasting legacies of this thing for me. Um, who who was there anybody in this tournament or especially those last three games that surprised you? Anybody who you just you, you couldn't really you know you saw them do something and you, you was it was it you know Kyle's consistency was it Dre's final emergence was it Ty's you know ability to basically do everything? What were some of the things that sort of stood out to you about UVA toward the end? 
You know, I, I think it probably that the second half that Dre had against Texas Tech where, I mean, he just came alive. And and I'd said this on Twitter, I think, um, and I, I think I said it a few times this season, uh, Dre seems to forget that he's the best player on the court sometimes. But but when he remembers and, and remembers that he can kind of take over, uh, we're just a, an absolutely different team. And and this whole season, I mean, we go back to that UMBC podcast and we and we spent a little time lamenting that that he wasn't there and and you know how the game could have been different if if he'd been there. We put a lot on on Dre's shoulders and uh um you know, he, he hadn't, it's not like he'd been having bad games, but this is a guy that you say, okay, he's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, he needs to assert himself and, and put his stamp on this game. And, and he did that and more in the second half. Yeah, he really did. And, and your point about him, you know, sometimes forgetting he's the best player. He's, he has a tendency at times, he means that he's a quiet kid and, and that was evident during the celebration on Saturday, right? He's not, a, he's not a, you know, a guy who talks a lot. He's not someone who's very verbose. He's not, um, he's not a, a cocky kid who's going to come out there and say a bunch of things, um, but man, he really channeled it into his play. And I don't know, I don't know if there was a specific, you know, something somebody said somewhere. I, I know he 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 said something to the effect of that Todd likes it when he's when he's aggressive or something like that. Um, but he found a comfort zone, and since that's very likely, and we'll get to that in, here in a second, very likely the last time we're going to see him in a Virginia uniform, man, to go out like that in that second half, to do what he did, to hit that shot, as well as the second one, right, which I thought for the record, I don't know if a lot of folks know this or what, but I'm going to make it nice and plain. So on that play call, Beard signals, I believe, for this 2-3, and um, and then Tony sees it, and he turns and he tells Kai – Ty, excuse me, Kyle and, and Dre. So instead of Dre going to set the screen for Kyle, Kyle sets the screen for Dre. Texas Tech had no idea it was coming. He was open. He took it. He made it. And I mean, they cruised. I mean, from that point forward, it felt, it, it felt, it did feel like destiny. Um, for him to have, you know, to come through in those spots when he hasn't in that tournament and not really get down in himself for a kid who, does, you know, he's not a very out there kind of guy. You would expect that from from Jerome and Guy. They are they are dudes who who don't have a problem carrying it, right? They right. They, they went to that podium after UMBC, and yeah, they were in tears. I listened to that the day the day of the national championship game for the first time since March sixteenth of twenty eighteen, and just to hear the difference in them in the year was fascinating. But to watch Dre in that second half, it's it, it was a performance I don't think any of us are ever going to forget. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he seems to kind of be that reluctant hero. I mean, the you know I think Kyle and and Ty you know run toward that. That's you know they they want to be that guy, and certainly Kyle was when when he was shooting those three free throws. I, such an amazing performance but but dre uh you know he may not be built for that but he can be coached to that and uh he he showed that uh so i mean credit just credit to him and and whatever whether it was the teammates whether it was the coaching staff getting him uh back involved and and getting him to be maybe a little bit more selfish and calling his own number sometimes uh just made a world of difference i'm curious to get some 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 I don't know biographical information from you. So after the after the Purdue game, what was your immediate reaction? Were you were you in tears? Were you screaming? Were you just shell shocked? What was your reaction when they when they finally earned a trip back to the Final Four? I I mean it was it was it was probably shell shocked just because it was such an unlikely play. Like how did how did they even have time to do that? And then there's all of the uh, the the questions was that a, a set play and and I was wondering what the heck was happening there because Dre wasn't in the game at that time and I was say, I'm sitting here thinking like not only are we going to lose this but we're, we're going to do it without Dre on the court like what you know what message was was the coach sending there you know how how does that uh 
come about if your best guy isn't even going to be there for it. Um, and, and so that, that was just so stunning. And I think, and, and we'd said this on, on the podcast that, that the, the relief, the overcoming of, of that UMBC loss wasn't going to happen until they made a final four. And then what we actually said was not till they made a final four. Um, and perhaps not until they win at all. So we, uh, we'll never know which one uh, it was going to take because they did both this year. <laughs> uh, but, but for me, that was the redemption. Like that's, that's where I had settled was you make this final four and it's, um, it just uh, that weight gets lifted, and and I was wondering what we would do in the final four now that we had that that weight off of us, and and I don't think our our play uh, changed that much. I couldn't look at it and say, oh, they they just played so much looser after that. I'm not sure that was the case, but they definitely. Um, you know, there was just this renewed sense, like, okay, as fans, like we, we can breathe and, and, uh, now really try to enjoy this tournament instead of, I mean, this whole season, you're just holding your breath. You're like, we got to get to the NCAAs. We got to win some games. We got to get to a final four to, to, to show people that, uh, you know, this isn't just a, uh, regular season team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the Auburn game was a little bit different. It was such an amazing ending. Um, but I just really enjoyed it just more like a sports fan. Like, yeah, my team, you know, won, you know, something that was an incredible game. And, and now they're, they're going to the biggest stage. Uh, but they emotionally, the, the Purdue game, uh, definitely hit me harder though. That's interesting. I kind of was the same way for the, in the days after the Purdue game, I, I like, I would see the thing and it just still blew my mind. And to even now, like thinking through, like, it makes sense to me, right. That, that Tony wanted to have, he needed two bigs in the game. He, 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 he wasn't going to take out, uh, Ty or, or Kyle and he, he liked Kihei on Edwards more than he liked um, Dre because with Dre he had to give him because he's a little bit quicker so he had to give him a little bit of space Kihei didn't have to give him that neither one of them were gonna were gonna stop the shot right it was more about trying to stop the space to stop the drive and so it made sense to me why Dre was in the game but I had the same thought you know right there I was like man you know, Virginia's going to lose this game, and Tony's going to get banged on and banged on and banged on for having his lottery pick <laughs> on the bench. You know, and he's going to put him back in the game. You know, obviously before Ty misses the second free throw, and it all happened right in front of me. And I still, to this day, have no idea how. Like how Kihei turns the pass, probably the best pass I've ever seen. Uh, I think probably the best pass in the history of the NCAA tournament. Um, and you talk about a quiet, unassuming kid, man. Wow, he just went out there and just did his job. Um, right. But then, like. To get to to get to Minneapolis felt like some sort of coronation, and it's sort of like I, I remember I got on the plane Wednesday and I started thinking more about all right. At some point, this thing has to go from celebration to focus on trying to win the whole thing. And I thought they did a really nice job of sort of balancing the all the questions that came at them about finally getting to a Final Four and also putting in the work on the on the court. They certainly weren't great throughout that Auburn game, but they had moments where they were really, really good. And I thought they did a really nice job of keeping Auburn at bay until until that fourth foul on tie and things kind of turned. But they the way that they were able to pick it up, Kyle's three in the corner, not even the one where he gets fouled, but the other one, the first one, the one that opens the door for him. Right. I mean, With six one, and a half left. one of the toughest shots I've ever seen. I mean, just one of the toughest shots. He's like he willed it with his entire soul to go in the in the basket, <laughs> and then for him to go up there, considering how how you know outspoken he's been about anxiety and, and dealing with the pressure uh, of the situation, and for him to be so calm and I mean, at least on the outside, you know, and go up there and hit all three of those free throws as if as if he was the only one in the gym, you know, and it was the middle of the afternoon and you were just at practice, you know, he he just went up and did it. I I will never ever 
I will never ever get over that. It just it it continues to blow my mind, and that's the thing. Like I keep saying, like it blows my mind. That's you know, they, Virginia put up a one point two points per possession or whatever on Texas Tech, which is by far the worst that they've given up all year against easily right. the most efficient defense that Ken Palm has had in all of Ken Palm. That blows my mind, man. Like, like it, and it also is kind of poetic, right? That Virginia would finally get over the hump and win a national championship when its offense was able to basically punk the best defense in the country. You know what I mean? Right. Right. No, I absolutely. And Kyle at the at the end of that game, I mean, I loved when they caught him on court afterwards and they asked him, like, you know, what was he thinking? Go to the line, and and he said he was terrified. Um, like to to be able to just to to have that kind of honesty with with yourself. I mean, my my arms would be jelly. I don't think I'd get the ball to the rim under that those circumstances with with that pressure. And and so uh, to to watch him then after the timeout to to hit that third one and and every shot. I mean, you can go back and review, and if you layer them over each other, they would look identical. They were such uh, just nerveless shots, just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I joked about this on the previous episode of the show, but like, I I actually for the first time in my career screwed up my my system on my on my notepad, and I mean, like, they're up there playing in front of seventy thousand people and a whole bunch of millions at home, right? I couldn't keep a notepad straight, right? <laughs> like, and they're out there, and like, it continues to just astound me. Um, all right, before we get to NBA decisions and and that kind of thing, I want to get some perspective for you from you on just you mentioned a second ago you know the idea whether you know making final four winning a championship since they did both at the same time um if i told you before the season started right if i come to you from the future and said hey phony one i'm i'm from the future um but two (laughs) uh virginia's gonna gonna make the final four and and win a national championship other than the whole coming back from the like would you have thought like when you went into the season in your heart of hearts, did you think this was the team that could really do it? And and as you look back on the way that the season un- unfolded, did it ever really get out of the uh, out of the lane that you expected them to be in? Yes, I, I and and it wasn't on on your podcast. It was a different podcast. But I I they they asked me about my prognosis for for the upcoming season, and um, you know I said that this I thought was going to be the uh, best offensive group that um and the most versatile offensive group that, that tony's ever had the benefit of, of working with in charlottesville and that um i believed we'd make a final four and yeah i didn't say i believed we'd win a championship because that's that's crazy no matter how good your team is but uh you know i i thought we we could finally get there i didn't i don't know that i expected the 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 umbc thing to be you know, maybe that was naive, but I mean, it was brought up every game. I figured, okay, first few games of the season, people get it out of their system, and then then they move on. But no, it was I, it was brought up in every broadcast. It was brought up in every arena they visited, and it really um, got to be pretty tiresome. And uh, you know, the jokes lost their impact a long time ago, but it's just annoying, really. And they they needed to to put that behind them. But I I felt like. They had the the tools to do it, and you know I certainly wasn't expecting that they'd put in a new offensive scheme. Um, I, I wasn't uh, expecting to to see the lineup changes, like um, and and just I mean even two thirds through the season, and not starting Jack just didn't seem like something that was going to happen. And uh, what a brilliant move that was by by the coaching staff to to make those changes. I think we saw that Jack and Key on the floor together. Um, it, it wasn't uh, a didn't give us a great plus minus when, when those two guys were out there. And, and, you know, most people were saying, well, then you got to sit Kihei, but, uh, Tony saw it and said, you know, um, Mamadi can 
can you know make up for what what we lose with Jack or or give us some different things and and but we can't sacrifice Kia's defense and uh, what a great decision that was. And I'm not entirely sure, honestly, that, that in the in the calculus there, that one of the things Tony didn't want to sacrifice was also not just having that third ball handler on the floor. I think it would be different if Dre was a was was the sort of ball handler that Malcolm was, right? So you could do some different things when when your when your when your guy was also a good ball handler. But I think that really allowed him to play tie off ball and it allowed them to do you know a lot of um, different things. I think too, I heard, Tony said something about Jack, and I can't remember if it was in the celebration yesterday or after the championship game, but he was talking about jack and and accepting the the kind of smaller role and he said something he used the word the words minutes restrictions and i'm wondering if one of the things with jack has been that his back has been in a place where maybe it's much worse than we expected or we thought and i'm wondering if if some of the changes were were not necessarily just by design but also by necessity and if so that makes it even more impressive because then your back was against the wall no pun intended Um, but overall i i kind of look back on it like Imagining and just thinking about all of the, the the whinging on Twitter, on message boards, wherever about how many minutes Kihei Clark was playing, how many minutes Jay Huff wasn't playing, you know, for them to, you know, not only for Kihei to be part of literally the the biggest single play. Oh, I mean, gosh, is it still even? This? I mean, I guess it has to be um, just right. because of just the, the immediacy of it and, and what it did for him to get him to Minneapolis. But for him to be such an integral part of the whole thing. Right. And for, and for him to to find Mamadi and, and for Mamadi to make that shot and everything. And for then for Jack to have played such a big role in that game as well. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, folks can have opinions, but ultimately the kids have to figure out a way to do it. And this this group certainly did that. Um I want to get to those NBA decisions um, in a second, but first I want to go to our second ad read of the night. Um, Cats Corner Podcast also brought to you today by Ask Landis, a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Serving Central Virginia for the past decade, owner Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and businesses, as well as providing a nice turnkey solution for those who want to get from point A to point B. So not only will they remove anything that you don't want, but they'll also make sure to recycle whenever possible. Maybe you're getting ready to put your house in the market. Maybe you need to do some uh, cleaning out of a garage or a basement that you've been putting off for a while. Whatever that case may be, let Stephen and Brandon do the work for you and help to declutter your life. You can give the folks at Ask Landis a call today. For a free consultation, call 434-249-8383. You can visit their website, asklandis.com for more. Our thanks again to Ask Landis for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so we think three NBA decisions, probably, right? DeAndre Hunter, I would say, almost assuredly going to go pro. Yeah. Um, um, and then come Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. Now, we should open up the possibility that Mamadi Diakite at least test the water to just get the information. At this point, I don't have any reason to say that that will happen, but I also don't have any reason to say it won't. So I guess we should at least consider that. As you look at the landscape, what are your expectations for those decisions? And if Virginia were to lose Ty and Kyle as well as Dre, what would that mean to you? And and how would you sort of how would it change the outlook for you for the Cavaliers going forward? You know, it's it's funny when the uh, Eagles won the the Super Bowl, uh, I guess last year, right? They won in in eighteen. Uh, their their first game, their fans booed them. Um, and I, I understand it's a grand Eagles tradition to, to hate their own team and all that. But, uh, and I, I said, then if my team won the championship, they're get they get an automatic three year free pass from me. Uh, you know, these guys, they, they reached the goals. They did what all of us wanted them to do. And, and I don't begrudge any of these guys from, you know, pursuing a career. You want them to, to make the right decisions. And, you know, if I were, uh, still second year at UVA and, and or third year. And someone said, Hey, come, 
come work for us. We'll pay you $5 million if, you know, we don't know how long it'll work out, but you know, if it doesn't work out, you can always come back to school. You know, I, I would have been gone in a heartbeat. And, and so guys that, that want to chase that, I, I, I totally get. And, and I think Dre, obviously, I mean, they're, you know, the latest mock draft I saw, I had him top five, had him number five. Uh, Ty uh, could still be late first round. Those guys, I, I think, are, are probably gone and, and should be. I mean, that looks to be in the best interest of their career. Uh, Kyle, I, th- I think there's probably, um, you know, we just want to see him d- develop his game more. And with, with Dre and Ty gone, he'll have that opportunity with, with Jack gone. I mean, he will be the the leader, the undisputed leader of this team. And so that that could be really fascinating um, to, to have him back. You know, if if you know, I'm certainly not in a better position than the people that get paid to to be advisors, to to be uh, you know NBA scouts, and so if they say that's that's the best option for him, then then so be it. Uh, Mamadi, I would really worry that he would, uh, you know, if if he did decide to go and and stay gone, that he would just end up getting lost on an NBA bench, and and um, uh, his fortunes would, would be diminished as a result, you know, but, but he definitely should check it out. I mean, the way the rules are now, I mean, there's, there's no good reason for him not to uh, go into that evaluation process and get the kind of feedback that he needs so that he can then, um, you know, know better what to work on it. And I think the team probably benefits from, from that as well. So, uh, you know, if not, then I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of new faces next year. Um, Casey is, I, I think, might be ready to play, uh, you know, when he gets there. You know, it always, you never know until they hit hit grounds. But, um, you know, we've got uh, uh, Shedrick's coming next year, right? That's correct. Yes, sir. And, and who, who's the who, who's the uh, third guy? Um as of, another... as of now, there is no third guy yet. Okay. Uh, Justin McCoy, the kid from Carolina, a uh, late bloomer that just picked up a Carolina offer and a Virginia offer as well on his uh, official visit, okay. could be a part of that group. But right now, it's just those those two. And then you get Frankie, or excuse me, Fr- uh, Poppy Francisco Cafaro, um, who's right. shirting. But by and large, that the, the roster, if let's say Dre's gone, let's say Ty goes and Kyle comes back, you could see a scenario where you have Kihei, Casey Morsell, um, and Kyle with Braxton Key and, and Mamadi, um, that's not a bad group. You you would expect right. Jay Huff to take some steps forward now that he you know he has the time to 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 develop without rehabbing the shoulder. Right. Um, you know I wouldn't you know depth wise they're gonna they would have to lean on probably Kafaro more than maybe you would expect um, for a big, um, but they they'd be much more big oriented maybe than they have been, and that would be an interesting challenge for the staff. Uh, my guess would be though is if if two or maybe even three guys leave and go or go to the draft that some sort of grad transfer situation works out for them, and I think that when you win a national championship, um, and you show the variety of offense that Virginia showed, you you know I think kids are going to be more receptive uh, at right. the grad transfer front, which is kind of ironic because Mooney from Texas Tech was a kid that they were really that they really liked in the huh. grad transfer market last year. Um, but, you know, it's funny how things work out. I kind of think that, you know, obviously Dre goes. I wouldn't be – I would be really surprised, honestly, to see Ty come back. I think yeah. too often in sports we make we make too much of a, a big deal about, like, what happens in the game to relative to what a player will do in a, in a decision-making process. So, for example, well, if so-and-so wins a championship, they won't be back or they won't resign or whatever. Um, right. I think sometimes we, we, we make that uh, calculation – too often I, I think it's it's apt here i think ty is more likely to go and stay in the draft now 
given what they just did. Kyle is a little bit different, I think, because maybe the, the draft buzz for him hasn't been at least consistently over the last few months. Um, I haven't seen anything lately to suggest that, you know, the, the NCAA tournament has changed much for him. Um, but he's going to, you know, do you want to be the, the most outstanding player of the Final Four and then come back to school? And, I mean, what what what's he going to prove, maybe, that is going to change his draft stock? Or is he just ready, you know, this is the perfect ending to my story. These two kids that I came in with are, are headed to the pros, and I want to go too. And even if he doesn't get to the, you know, NBA right away, maybe it's the G League, maybe it's overseas, what have you. Um, you know, that's a calculus that, that players have to make for themselves. For Virginia as a program, you know, I think it, it makes – it helps significantly if, if Kyle comes back. Um, I mean, it helps significantly all three of them come back. Um, but I think in terms of the team next year, it's going to be fascinating regardless, and, and it's going to be a very interesting challenge uh, for Tony and his staff just because you're – not just because you're losing experience, but because so much of what made this team special – will change so dramatically you know it's not right. like you know from last year and this is no this is no um slight to to zay and to dev who i thought were obviously integral pieces to what virginia did but in terms of what you could do with the pieces you had left you had so many guys who played so much that you could you could evolve the offense right on the spot you didn't have to kind of start from scratch and in some ways virginia will have to start from scratch if they don't have uh dre or or ty next year yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's kind of exciting is, you know, watch watch them start over because I'm I'm interested in seeing some of these guys that they've got coming in. I'm interested in seeing uh, uh, Fran, Francesco. Uh, Fran, what does he get? Does he go by Francesco? Which one? Madoki uh, uh, or well, uh, uh, the other one? Uh, um, well, he goes by Poppy. So you Poppy, got Frankie, okay. you got Poppy. Okay, that that'll be easier. Um, I saw somebody uh, suggest um, they call Poppy uh, Saint Francis of ACC, which <laughs> wow, um, <laughs> you know, uh, his his bench celebrations have been really entertaining. He looks like he's going to be a fun player to have on the court. So I I don't know a whole lot about his game, but I I'm looking forward to seeing him. And yeah, Braxton Key, like he's one guy I keep forgetting about because he's the transfer and he hasn't he hasn't been there. Obviously, he had some really valuable minutes and he arguably had his best game uh, of the season uh, at the end there. I mean, he. he he just had some really big plays. I don't even know what the ended up showing for him, but he, he really seemed to have his fingerprints on, on a lot of the great moments of that game. Uh, so if they have to start over, so be it. I, I mean, you know, that's that almost takes some pressure away. I mean, if you have this group, this nucleus of guys who already won a championship and they're coming back, then then, you know, the bullseye is squarely on them. But instead, I mean, if we've got new guys stepping up, I, I think it, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. It, it lowers the expectations. But from a fan standpoint, the the lower expectations are a little bit easier to to ride out, maybe. And, you know, I have the confidence in the, in the coaches that uh, more than ever that they're going to maximize the use of the talent on this roster i mean the 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 criticism that they got from uh you know from how much they played kia is, is it's really i mean i i had a guy um on on twitter just two days ago um so after the championship game um defending his his anti kihei thing and he even said his kia's pass to mamadi was an easy pass because mamadi was open and <laughs> and i i didn't even respond i'm like what do you what do you do with that? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, kudos for just doubling down on a bad opinion, but, uh, you know, I trust the coaches and, and they have shown, and, and it's really hard to argue, you know, now that they're holding that trophy that, that they don't know what's best and, and what's best for minutes. And, 
you know, they're they're looking at at the advanced stats. They're looking at plus minuses of different lineups. And um, you know, Kihei was uh, was in I think three of our either top four or top five lineups this season and adjusted plus minus. You know, as much as people want to say he's a drag on offense. Overall, we're better with him on the court than than not with him on the court, and the, and the staff saw that. And uh, so, whatever new pieces we have next year, I'm I'm counting on the staff to to maximize the use of those pieces and and to give the minutes out uh, wh- where they're going to best be utilized. And it and it just makes it exciting for me. Yeah, I got one more question for you, but first, I want to kind of um, piggyback on what you just said. I think there's a one of the lessons that I'll take away from the season is. There's a difference between um, what I would call um, reasonable disagreement, right? So you you don't have to think, even if your your coach wins a national championship, you don't have to think that every decision that they make is right. You you can disagree. There's a difference though that when the disagreement takes. So if you say, well, I I I really don't like how much we're playing Kihei and Jack together. I think we would be better if if X Y and Z happen. That is a reasonable disagreement, right? I would see this other thing that would happen, Twitter message boards all the same, which was there was this like vitriol in implanted in the opinion, which made like how dumb, you know, so and so how it looks or um, you know, however, this 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 is this is ridiculous, right? There it was this escalation, right? And I look, I I tweeted something during the Syracuse game about the offense in the first half with some of the dumbest stuff that they've run, um, not because the sets were dumb, but because they were trying to force the ball in the middle, and and Syracuse was kind of sitting on it, and even I fell victim to that in the moment just because I was you know sort of frustrated by it. Um, I think that, that what this season taught me is that there there is a way to disagree without being disagreeable um and i think hopefully going forward whether maybe this will bleed over to football and my life will be a little bit better on the message board but it just mean it just makes sense to me that you can disagree with a coach you don't have to think that just because tony bennett wins a national championship or that you love what he's done for the program that every decision he makes is right but you're right, not don't, infallible yeah exactly but you also don't have to you know to be a jerk about it and i think right. that's the place, you know that's the place where it, it escalates um but i want to get a child on this one um, phony you you've been a UVA fan obviously for a long long time um you have you know you you were the one with me facing the music uh, last year after the UMBC game um can you put this last month in in any kind of context what did it mean to you and and does it still seem surreal like what how 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 amazing was it in in your own experience what was it like it was so unexpected and and I don't I don't mean to say that because I didn't think this team was capable but in in a single elimination tournament it doesn't matter if if you're the most dominant team duke was the most dominant team at many times this year and they looked vulnerable for their their last three games and they and they finally fell we were uh, just a a couple seconds away from losing so many of of our games in this postseason so when it when it finally happens just as a as a fan it just seems like such a a long shot from the beginning of the season, no matter how, how good your team is. And to, to have watched the struggles, I, I became a, a fan, um, I guess in 91 and, uh, you know, the, the teams were good. Then Jeff Jones was coaching them. You know, we got to a sweet 16, we got to an elite eight. There was, uh, it seemed like, okay, Virginia is a good team and, and yeah, you keep knocking Eventually you're going to get there. And then the program basically fell off a cliff for 20 years. And, so so it's been so so refreshing just to to see this rise and and there was always this feeling that Tony Bennett is going 
to get us a championship eventually. He, if we can hold on to him, eventually that is going to happen for him and, and this program. Um, even though in any given year, it's it's a long shot. You know, we, we play enough, eventually we'll get there. And so to get there uh, now and and especially, you know, in, in the context of what happened last year that, that just makes it such a just an amazing sports story. It's it's just kind of an awe. And, and with what I've I've been fortunate enough to do on Twitter for the past seven years now, um it it has brought me in, in a weird way like closer to the team. Like you know, as far as how I feel as a as a fan. And um, you know, I have no more control over what happens out there than I than I did before. But for some reason, you know, it it makes me feel more invested in in what these guys are doing. And so to to see them just finally re- reach their goals and, and do it. I mean, it makes me proud as a, as an alum and, you know, as someone who's, you know, pretty vocal in, in, in supporting this team on, on Twitter. Um, I, I've spent, like you mentioned earlier, I've spent so much on gear. I've, I've got more gear. I was looking at, uh, some extra stuff. Like, like I need another hat. I've ordered three hats already. Like I, I don't wear hats a lot. Um, and I only have one head, but I've, I'm going to have a crap load of hats here uh, just to, to celebrate what these guys have done. And I'm, I'm just, you know, overjoyed for those guys because they deserve it so much. And, and we can talk about the team doing it the right way and, and all that. And uh, that's added a lot of context to it, but, you know, at the end of the, the day, it's, it's just, it's good for the university. It's good for Charlottesville. And, and as an alum, um, you, you walk out the next day with your head held a little higher. I didn't have anything to do with it. I get that. But, um, and I still don't know what, what to say when someone congratulates me on, on the team winning, <laughs> like, like, thanks. Uh, this is the team I, I chose to support. That's always a, a weird thing. And I've never had to experience that because my team has never, uh, my basketball team has never won a national championship, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this and, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to a nice long off season where, where we can just be the, uh, the reigning champs. And then, uh, next year it's, it's going to be fun again, seeing, seeing what happens. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Phony Bennett, I appreciate your time. I wanted to go, you know, half an hour, 35 minutes. We've gone way more, more than that as usual. Um, you were, <laughs> uh, very kind to join me a year ago and, and I appreciate the time as well today. Um, I'm sure that, uh, that there are more podcast appearances in your future, whether it's with the hard hedge guys or back here in another conversation down the road, but I appreciate your time. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, this thing has grown in ways that I literally did not think possible. So I very much appreciate everybody out there for continuing to, to, to listen and subscribe. Um, if you haven't yet, check us out, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating and review. That always helps to get us out in front of more people. And then um, if you haven't checked out the website, give us a look, CavsCorner.com. we got plenty of stuff there. Spring football will kick back up into gear here soon ahead of the spring game, but we have more more stuff to talk about with this whole basketball uh, championship and things, um, so no doubt about that. So, again, for Phony Bennett, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>